Good day, everybody. We are back, and this is the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Harris. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for finding the show. Thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening to it on one of our many platforms, if you're listening to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, thank you for discovering the show, and thank you for listening along. So for today's interview... We are interviewing another talent, another wrestler from the MLW roster. Uh, This is Dominic Guarini. Dominic is a uh, world-renowned grappler and BJJ practitioner from Canton, Ohio. Uh, About a couple years ago, he started uh, making the transition into pro wrestling. And last year, he signed with uh, Major League Wrestling, and now he's part of the Major League Wrestling roster. Now, of course, MLW is currently on hold uh, with most of its shows, but uh, interestingly enough, uh, Dominic got to uh, wrestle on one of the last live uh, wrestling events in front of a a live crowd with the AAA versus uh, MLW Super Series. Um, I think it was in Tijuana uh, in March. So right before everything was shut down to, due to this um, pandemic, uh, he was uh, teaming with Tom Lawler on that show. So uh, I think that'll be a very interesting conversation. So without further ado, here is our exclusive interview with Dominic Garini here on the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast. All right. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast. For today's guest, he is the Canton Crippler. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, a BJJ master, and he is a member of the MLW roster. He is Dominic Garini. Uh, did I did I say that right, Dominic? Sure did. All right. Uh, a-, a plus there. A plus. Thank you, man. So, uh, how are you doing today, Dominic? And, uh, th- hey. and thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm living life out here, trying to keep myself entertained and uh, just keep myself busy. All right. Uh, so, you know, you recently joined uh, the MLW roster uh, last year. Um, so, what made you want to take, you know, I mean, coming from a traditional grappling Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, what made you want to make the transition into pro wrestling? Um, so, I, for me, um, like I've always been a pro wrestling fan. Um, I was a pro wrestling fan back uh, when I was younger. Um, and when I was like 15, 16, I found like the independent wrestling scene and kind of like how to break into wrestling. So I decided that like when I was 16, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. Well, high school happened. Wrestling got a little less cool in my mind. I started amateur wrestling, um, playing high school football. And then from there, I fell out of love with pro wrestling and more in love with MMA. So then I ended up starting to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with the goal in mind of saying, hey, like, I'm going to be an MMA guy. Well, I got about a year into my training in jiu-jitsu while I was still, you know, cross-training and other, you know, martial arts, and I really started to fall in love with the sport jiu-jitsu. So when I fell in love with sport jiu-jitsu, it kind of consumed me into, well, I don't want to be an MMA fighter now. I, I want to be a jiu-jitsu world champion or win the Pan Am for jiu-jitsu. Um, so from the years 2010 through about 2015, you know, those five years were just spent doing a lot of uh, amateur or a lot of, you know, tournaments every weekend going out on the road, 
competing and getting that experience. Uh, I did three Pan Ams. I did uh, two World Championships. I did no D Pans. So I did a little bit of everything. Um, and then in about 2015, I I competed at the World Championships, and I I think I was just getting burned out at the time. So I was doing training camps in Chicago at the time, you know, outside of, you know, the Cleveland can area where I live. And during that time of those training camps, you know, we was doing two practices a day and there'd be a lot of downtime in between. So I got really into back into pro wrestling at that point. One of the things that got me really back into it was that, uh, you know, Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen was, you know, making his main roster debut. And he was always a guy that I really gravitated towards when he was, you know, first coming around the Indies in 05 and 06. So for me to see, you know, one of my favorites get from, you know, the Indies all the way to the main roster. And at that time, feeding with John Cena, it was like, the big deal to me. So I kind of fell back in love with it. Um, and after the world, when I did not win, I was, you know, kind of burned out. I attended a raw in Cleveland, uh, when I returned from my training camp and that night I was just like, you know what, I think I want to try something different. And I, you know, Googled training schools, uh, in Canton and the close results were a couple, one of which was the AIW training center in Cleveland under Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. And I made the decision to start training pro wrestling in late July, early August of 2015. Oh, so did you train with uh, with uh, Gargano and LeRae? Yes, they were. Johnny and Candice were my trainers. Oh, man. That's a win. Well, so that sounds like some ex- excellent training to kind of like, you know, get your feet wet and, you know, learn the business, learn the ropes from. Absolutely. For, for me, it was really cool, too, for Johnny, because Johnny had spent so much time in Evolve and with guys like Drew Gulak, uh, Biff Busick, and, you know, Timothy Thatcher over there, that he kind of was able to take down my grappling style and, and tailor me to the kind of pro wrestler that he thought that I'd need to be to be successful in pro wrestling. So, you know, it, it was definitely an ace in the hole there. Now, some months back, uh, MLW announced your signing and you made your uh, MLW debut. What? Uh, why did you gravitate toward uh, MLW, and why did you think this was the best fit uh, for you to sign a contract? Um. Well, I had done it. I that was let's say I signed in August of 2019. So in August 2018, I just finished pretty much, or August September of 2018, I just finished a one year run with Evolve. Um. And I, you know, I got a chance to work with some really great people in involved, Walter, Tim Thatcher, guys like that, um, Chris Dickinson, Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams, J.D. Drake, and then Henry. I, I got a chance to work with so many great people there, and uh, and preferably uh, Malcolm Bivens, Stokely Hathaway. And when Evolve decided to kind of let Stokely go his own way and do his own thing, you know, I was so attached to him as his bodyguard that, you know, it was kind of a period of, of like, refining myself. So that was in September, I would say, of 2019 or 2018. So I kind of made it my goal between 2018 and, you know, from where I got signed in August to kind of reinvent myself and to just change who I was. Um, you know, I was this brooding MMA-style guy for, for Evolve, and I, I wanted to be a little bit more than that. Um, I wanted to show the matches that I could have because I, I knew that if I kind of had chains off that I could be so much more. Um, so I spent really a lot of the, pretty much the rest of 2018 and the first half of 2019 really just doing a lot of stuff. Uh, one of the things that I really got involved in was becoming a tag team with Kevin Koo, um, Violence is Forever, and we did a lot of tagging and stuff. Um, and just one night I, I reached out to MLW 
because I was looking at, you know, the options that were out there. Um, I talked to MSL, uh, you know, one of their talent relations guys. He had actually known me from my Evolve run. He had seen me wrestle in Florida a couple of times and was, you know, really interested in my style. As well, one of the things that gravitated me towards MLW was the kind of renewed focus on shooters there. You know, you have guys like, at the time, they had Tim Thatcher before he was signed uh, to the WWE. They have deep. David Boy Smith, they have, you know, Tom, they have so, and like Loki, they have so many guys that, you know, have shoot style backgrounds that I really thought that it'd be a great place for me to kind of work with those guys, hone my craft, as well as then getting, you know, the very valuable TV experience that, you know, as much as we want to think that the Indies are TV, TV's written so much differently and produced so much differently than most wrestling that's out there. So that was one of the things that really, you know, made me gravitate towards MLW. Now you kind of already answered what was going to be one of my next questions. So you were really encouraged by that. MLW's, you know, they have a very unique eclectic roster where they're kind of going after these guys with combat sports and kind of shooter backgrounds and not just, you know, sort of traditional career pro wrestlers. Because, I mean, you got, you know, a guy like Tom Lawler. You have, you know, a guy like uh, Muhammad Lawal, King Mo, who's a, I mean, he's a former MMA fighter, former Strike Force champion. Uh, top-level collegiate wrestler, and now, you know, a guy like you. So does that encourage you that MLW is taking those steps? And, you know, um, and because I, I think it brings a very unique style to their product. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like what MLW's done and, and the kind of talent development that, they, that they've had, you know, getting guys like Tom, getting guys like King Mo, uh, guys like myself, you know. Uh, that's something that Court really looks out for. Court really really uh, like loves the idea behind um, the shoot style aspect of pro wrestling and also the, the real tough guys in his mind of pro wrestling. And I think he's really put together such, such a blend there. And I think that's something that like I've talked to Loki about a bunch too, is that Loki really, you know, Loki and court really love the idea that there's just so many different, you know, variations of killers within the MLW roster. Like, Tom's an all-around killer, you know, he can kill you from top to bottom, you know, with his MMA background. You know, King Mo is such an amazing wrestler that that's his killer trait. I have such great Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that's my killer trait. Like, everybody's got their own killer trait to them that, you know, makes each and every match that we can put on between each other so intriguing. Now, uh, your MLW debut against Ariel Dominguez was, you know, it was uh, eye-opening. You came in with, uh, with, your, with your gi, no boots or uh, no boots or footwear. Did you feel like you needed to make a statement with the way you represented yourself and your brand uh, when you stepped into the ring in uh, MLW? Yeah, always. For for me, you know, I'm out. In, my bigger goal besides loving pro wrestling is to show the world Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, uh, show the functionality of it off in the show. You know what it can really do in a fight. Like there's a great Joe Rogan clip where someone's on Joe's podcast. He goes, "What's the functional use of jujitsu?" And Joe goes, "Well, if we got in a fight, I'd kill you." And like to me, that's my thought process. You know, Ariel is an amazing amateur wrestler, whether people know it or not. You know, and, and the idea was like he took me down, but the moment he took me down, that goes, "You're going right into my, you know, you're going right into my my landscape." You know, it's like jumping in the ocean with a shark. You know. You think that you've got all the, you know, you got all the answers, but I'm going to switch the questions if you take me out of the ground. I think sometimes fans can be used to a very overly homogenized, uh, homogenized style when it comes to pro wrestling. And watching your, you know, your match with Dominguez, it was just, it was just so interesting because it was a unique style that I'm not really used to seeing inside pro wrestling, but I thought it was very effective because 
it looked it looked so genuine and it and it looked legit. It looked like all you wanted to do was to get a hold of a limb and and put on a submission hold. And was that something you wanted to set out to do, you know, with your pro wrestling career to present something that looks and feels different when you get into the ring? Yeah, uh, for sure. Like that's something I've always kind of been really ingrained from the beginning. Candice and Johnny put it in me and hot sauce. Tracy Williams always put it in me. Um, I might not be able to do all the flips and all the athletic fun stuff that like a ricochet or like a little Osprey does, but if they go do that match before me, I'm going to give them something of the match right after this authentic, this real feel of the moment that I, you know, I lock up with you, the match could end any time because of my submissions, because of my skill. So, I mean, how is it, you know, developing kind of that style, this sort of like a, a shoot style of grappling into wrestling and making that sort of, you know, your, you know, making that the Dominic Garini style? It's, uh, it's interesting because it, it, you know, it takes so many different things, you know, you, you take all my jiu-jitsu backgrounds, you know, and then I look back into like shoot style wrestling from Japan from, you know, the late 80s and early to mid 90s, UWF, UWFI, things like that, to kind of see what they were doing, what was working for them, uh, mix some stuff in then with some early 2000s to mid 2000s MMA, and just kind of come up with a hodgepodge of, well, how do we make this entertaining? How do we make this exciting? But how do we also make it intriguing and to fit within, you know, what we're looking to do? And I really think that, you know, every every match out, you know, coming coming better and getting better. And you look at, like, Tom and I, we always have talks. And, you know, Eric Stevens involved with all three of us. You know, we, we talk all the time about how to make, you know, this, this shoot style something that's more exciting and that people are enjoying more and you look at you know success on the independent level like josh barnett you know doing blood sport multiple times a year now and i just did an entire you know indie show that was based around the uwfi rules at a tournament it was the best show that company's ever had that had more buzz for that company than anything else so i really think that you know the all the work that guys like myself and tom been putting in it really kind of helped lead to a style revival here in the united states I mean, do you think that's ironic at all? Because, you know, when you look at the history of pro wrestling, it's sort of rooted in that kind of more shooter-oriented uh, style of grappling and grappling contests. Yeah, it, it, it is ironic that, you know, the idea behind pro wrestling when it started in the carnivals in the early 20s was that it was it was a shoot, you know, or it was, you know, a work shoot where, you know, guys were challenging people from the crowd to come in and they'd have to play it in the crowd. So I think it's it's almost a full circle thing that, you know, we're coming back now and, you know, 2020, almost 100 years later, and the, the, the shoot style is coming back and makes such a resurgence. Okay, so last March, uh, you got to team up with uh, Filthy Tom Lawler at the AAA versus MLW Super Series. Representing MLW, uh, you guys defeated Puma King and Extreme Tiger. This was one of the last events... Uh, the last pro wrestling events to be in front of a live crowd in front of uh, thousands of fans before this whole coronavirus pandemic shutdown. So I guess what was a like? What was it like for you just a few months into your MLW run to be teaming with Tom Waller at a big event like this, and then, and then right before like the whole you know the whole world shuts down right after that. Yeah, I remember uh, they brought us out a day early for everything. So I literally landed in San Diego on Thursday, and I, I had a text from court, and it was like, hey, if you're not comfortable wrestling this weekend, no, there, there's no problem with that. He goes, you know, no worries. He goes, we'll just get promos, and we'll, and we'll go from there. Uh, 
at that point, I was already in San Diego from Cleveland. So I was like, let's go. I said, I'm good. And I also kind of had it in the back of my head, like, man, this would be the last match I have for a little while. So to me, there was no better place to have one of my last matches for, you know, the foreseeable future than in front of thousands of people. You know, I'd never wrestled in Mexico to that point. So I was really excited for that. You know, the opportunity to work for AAA as well was just unparalleled. So it was all those things together. Uh, and, and, you know, getting the team with Tom is one of the biggest things because from the day Tom started in MLW, Tom always beat the drum to bring me in MLW. Uh, Tom and I have been friends, you know, for a couple years now, and he's really been a guy that's always pushed for me in MLW. And when I told him that I was going to sign, he was beyond, you know, he was over the moon excited for it. So to be able to share, you know, that Mexico debut with Tom and then to be as hated as we were there because I don't know how it came off on the video, but man, they hated Tom and I that night, and it was it was almost like a perfect storm. And uh, you know, if I was gonna like I said, if I was gonna have one match, you know, to last me for about six months, that was probably one of the better ones that I could have had. Now, but I mean, what's it like to go from that to go where we are, where where we've been for almost the last couple months? You know, we're we're in quarantine, everything shut down. I mean, we have WWE uh, and AEW on TV, but they, you know, they're you know empty shows. And yeah. we're waiting for MLW to come back. What is this like for you? You know, where you know we're kind of in this sort of indefinite holding pattern. It's one of those things that, for me, the most important thing is the health of not only myself but also you know my friends and my you know the other individuals that I work with. Um, I don't think, and I know Court's got you know more than enough stuff on tap that he doesn't. And I I talk with Court you know multiple times over quarantine. You know Court wants to ensure that everything's safe. He doesn't want to you know force us back out in front of crowds. You know until he knows that everything is fine. Um, you know it, it, it does suck because obviously before this MLW was was really coming up with a strong amount of momentum. You look at it, we had a sellout at the ECW Arena at the start of the year, along with a sellout in Dallas. So you had those two sellouts. We just had, you know, 5,000 people in Mexico. So there was so much good momentum going. So it kind of sucks for all that to be called. It. Obviously, one of the big things that's been, you know, the hot stove around the wrestling world has been a uh, possible new TV deal for MLW. And, you know, who knows what the future holds with that. But, you know, like I said, the biggest thing is just the, the health of all of us as workers um, on top of, you know, the health of, you know, our friends and our families. You know, you look at a guy like Tom Waller, he's got, you know, children. Uh, Eric Stevens has children. So, you know, a lot of the MLW roster, you know, it's not just them living in an apartment by themselves. You know, they have families to worry about. So that's the most important thing. Um, and obviously, like, like I said, it sucks that everything hit a standstill. was obviously right before this all happened. You know, probably my, my best friend in the world, Kevin Koo, just got signed. And he was supposed to make his debut in Chicago. But, of course, you know, with nothing on the foreseeable future until things change, you know, his debut got held back, and I know he's been disappointed by that, but, you know, he understands as well, so it's just a waiting game, and, and I, I trust that, you know, Court and the rest of the MLW team, uh, you know, is going to wait until they know that it's safe for the entire roster and the staff, you know, to come back and to, to you know, tape and whatnot. You know, they've, they've digitized the 2002 through 2004 library of uh, Underground TV, which I'm really excited you know, for that today view, but it's got so much cool stuff on it. So now, do you think on any level, like you know, for guys like you, is this is this sort of waiting period? Is it lighting a fire at all, or do you think it will light a fire? You know, once you guys can get back to work and get back to business, and you'll you'll be coming out raring to go. So I've come I've come to the conclusion it's gonna it's gonna lead to you know one of two things. Either it's gonna lead to people being real fired up, you know, 
uh, wrestler-wise, like myself. I've been watching Lost Flowers wrestling every day. Um, I've been thinking of, you know, things to add to my arsenal, ways that I can do things different, storyline ideas that I can pitch, all that good stuff. Like, to me, like, really, like, this time off, you know, from not only this, but also my normal everyday job, you know, this is really giving me time to focus so much on wrestling and so much on the things that I want to get done. And, you know, once we're back, we're allowed to go back to it. So it's really lit a fire under, under my butt. But I can also see guys that, you know, the, this happens and they blame the world for everything that's happened to them. And, you know, they don't know how to come back from this. You know, they might have had the momentum and they don't know how to recapture that play. Um, and they're going to, you know, spiral out of control from it. But, you know, I'm hoping that we'll have an entire roster uh, full of guys that are really fired up, ready to go. Obviously, the the, the mass that would be released it should fire everybody, not only in MLW up, but in the you know independent wrestling scene up to step their game up because you have about twenty guys that just twenty guys and girls that just got cut from contracts that are coming for the spots. You know that that we're all trying to inhibit. So it's it's going to be a really interesting time. You know, once everything gets back to you know whatever kind of new, new normal we could have. Now, I guess. How important we we've heard a lot of discussions lately in recent weeks about you know the crowd aspects and you know performing in front of maybe um, you know without a live crowd or or not. But I mean, how is it? How important is um is the crowd aspect for you when you're performing and you're competing? Is it and do you anticipate you know when you are back in the ring maybe maybe MLW might have to have uh, empty shows or no live crowds for a while for a while at least, but I have no idea. Yeah, it, it's interesting because obviously um, when I was learning how to wrestle at uh, the IW school, Johnny and Candace would always have us do practice matches in front of either no one or, you know, the six or seven guys and gals that were at school that day. So it was one of those things that they always made sure to drill it into us to react and to sell to the even if the crowd's not there you act even if there's seven people there they say imagine how easy it'll be if 700 people are there so it's something that i've always you know kind of akin to and thought about um and you look at it i will say one thing without the crowd to feed off of without all that noise without all that energy the bumps hurt a little bit more the chops hurt a little more everything hurts a little bit more because you don't have that energy to feed off from the crowd but it's one of those things that if, you know, we can run shows again or if and when we can run shows again, if there's no crowd, it's something that, we'll, you know, we have to adjust to. But I think it just it hurts more from the viewer at home perspective. Uh, if you're watching something and there's no crowd, that, that background noise is rough uh, when there's no background noise and, and things like that. That's why like, I really think what AEW is done by putting uh, at least some of the wrestlers around the ring to get that crowd noise, to get that feedback, it's helped out a little bit more than those empty arena WWE performance center shows where it's everything's so like visible, you know, or so like audio visually like there for the fans to hear. You know, that being said, you know, there was some, uh, it just seems every other day we hear some interesting news about, you know, Court Bauer and MLW making sort of a new, new deal or some sort of new expansion for MLW. Like uh, just a couple days ago, we heard about the in-demand pay-per-view deal. So it definitely sounds like, you know, MLW is still making moves and, and uh, it could, you know, once, once we do recover from this, it could be a, could be more exciting than ever for you in MLW. Uh, what would you say to that? Yeah. I mean, court is, is making moves every single day. I mean, I think this week alone, you had the the in demand deal, uh, as well as you know, 
talking about the second TV series that they're going to be, you know, putting out uh, later this year. So, of course, of course, for the businessman and professional wrestling, he's always working. He's always trying to, you know, increase everything for us. And, and he's also the guy that I would assume has probably been working the phones to see what kind of deals he can make this whole time. Uh, because, you know, when it comes back, he, he wants everything to be at a higher level and to be even higher, like, even better than it was before. Like I said, we had so much momentum rolling before, you know. I think that the, the stuff that the Fusion episodes they've aired on BN have been, like, some of the top five episodes in terms of ratings altogether. So it's been nothing but a but a really positive year ratings-wise and, and business-wise for MLW. And even with, you know, everything that's going on right now, courts, you know, working, working the lines along with the rest of the staff to – just keep everything rolling and, and keep everything getting better for us. Now, uh, you know, due to your relationship and chemistry with Tom Lawler, would you like to continue teaming with him? And do you guys maybe want to target uh, Ross and Marshall Von Eriks? Is it is it time for you to get some gold in MLW when the time comes and you guys will go after Von Eriks and take their belts? Yeah, with, uh, you know... It, before the quarantine, it was going to be maybe a little different because, you know, Tom was going to have to try to split time between the Pro Fight League contract that he just signed in MLW, but with Pro Fight League canceling their upcoming season, you know, if we can get back, you know, by the end of the year, Tom and I are definitely, you know, targeting them Von Eric boys. Uh, we just think they've been given almost everything in MLW. Everything's been a silver platter to them, whereas guys like myself and Tom have had to work harder than you know, those guys have because our last name isn't Von Eric and we're not, you know, dynasty wrestlers like they are. So they're definitely in our, in our crosshairs. Um, you know, what we did in Dallas was just the start of everything with them. And, you know, our game plan is to continue to, to terrorize them until they give us what we want, which is those tag team titles. And, and uh, earlier this year, what was it like for you to get to step into the, you know, the 2300 arena, formerly the ECW arena, you know, part of uh, Team Filthy uh, against the Von Erichs team? And get, but uh, to be an iconic in an iconic venue like that, you know, as a longtime fan and, and, you know, to be able to work in the ring in that place. What was that like for you? Man, to main event, to main event, uh, 2300 arena, formerly known as ECW arena. Unreal. So many of my memories from, you know, growing up watching ECW on Sun Sports when I was living in Florida as a young man, uh, into watching the older indie shows from, it was New Alhambra Hall when I was watching indie shows there on, on VHS and DVD. So to get a chance to go in there, main event, and then not only main event, but main event against guys like Devon Eriks and Davey Boysmith Jr., it's just like, it's a wild thing, and it's one of those things that MLW has afforded me the chance to do. Uh, and to get to do it with two of my better friends, Tom Lawler and Eric Stevens, can't beat it. Can't forget our uh, our always trusty fourth kid, Osborne, who's been an amazingly awesome addition when we've had him around uh, to help out Team Filthy. All right. Um, Dominic, this has been great. Just last thing, I want you to, you know, if you want to take the time, if you have any social plugs, any any. Um, uh, any media plugs or anything else you have going on that you'd like to share with us or the listeners? I wanted to just give you that time to do that, so please go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at dgreeny, D-G-A-R-R-I-N-I-B-C. Um, and then also I have a Pro Wrestling Tees store that is prowrestlingtees.com slash dgreeny. That's got all of my, uh, almost all of my designs I have for Pro Wrestling Tees. And then also you can check out my first tee shirt, available on the MLW store. So if you go to the MLW store and you search my name, it'll be there. So hopefully, you know, we'll be back to at least a little bit of wrestling soon. But if not, everybody out there, stay safe and stay healthy.
Uh, thank you, uh, Dominic. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, likewise to you as well, staying safe and just uh, getting out of this sort of uh, shutdown, okay? Um, and uh, looking forward to seeing you back on TV, back in the ring, and uh, going going after the Von Erichs boys and getting getting some belts for for you you know for your wrestling career so appreciate it and thanks for all this time thank you no, no problem thanks for taking the time to interview me today all right you've been listening to Dominic Garini the Canton Crippler the MLW wrestler the BJJ champion and this is the 411 wrestling interviews podcast thank you everybody All right, and that was uh, our interview with Dominic Garini. If you're listening to our show, if you're listening to us on YouTube, would very much appreciate if you could leave us a comment, if you could give us a like or a thumbs up, or if you could just subscribe to our channel, we would very much appreciate it. Also, uh, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, if you wouldn't mind uh, leaving us a five-star comment, review, what have you, we would very much appreciate it. You can find us at the 411 Mania YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, and Spotify. But more than anything, thanks for listening. Um, You know, this is a crazy time right now, so I hope uh, everyone's safe and, you know, you're getting through this okay, but thank you for the time. We really appreciate you listening uh, to this program, and stay tuned for more. This is Jeffrey Harris, but you can call me the J to the E to the double F3 here on the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast. Thank you, everybody.